Hey girl, I'm talking to you. You know the foggy, frenzied, frazzled, fatigued feeling of living in hormone hell. You hear the word hormone balance and it sounds like a solution, but how do you achieve that? Is it possible to have hormone harmony and go from living in hormone hell to feeling well? You are about to find out. Today starts a three-part series on how to balance your hormones. Part one and part two, we will be joined by Dr. Carol Villanueva, a functional medicine physician who specializes in hormone balance and women's health. And then in part three, I'll be reviewing foods that are helpful and foods that are definitely harmful when it comes to balancing your hormones. These next three weeks will empower you to take control of your health and get some hormone harmony in your life. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey there, welcome to the Healthy Harmony Podcast. I'm Jennifer Pickett, your host, your health coach, your friend. If you're ready to tap into the healthiest version of you so you can live life with confidence and intentional harmony, then my friend, you're in the right place. As a dietitian turned functional medicine health coach, I'm here to walk beside you and show you how to take control of your complete health, body, mind, and soul. I want you to live a life you not only love, but a life where you're truly thriving. This podcast is real talk about real life. Simple, realistic strategies that will leave you feeling empowered as we dive into physical health, mental, emotional health, and spiritual health. Because addressing these areas equals intentional harmony, aka happiness, fulfillment, and confidence. Let's do this. Before I introduce today's guest, let me remind you I have created something just for you. If you're looking for a tribe of women who are just like you and trying to be more intentional in your health journey so you can live in freedom, I have just the community you're looking for. It's a Facebook group called Functional Medicine for Weight Loss, Body, Mind, Soul, Wellness for Women. And you can access this incredible group by going to bit.ly forward slash FM Women's Wellness. Again, that's bit.ly forward slash FM Women's Wellness. And I will link that right here so you can click it very easy. I'm so excited about today's guest. And after listening to her, I think you will be too. Dr. Carol Villanueva is a board-certified internist and a functional medicine doctor. She has a passion for using functional and lifestyle medicine to address the root cause of chronic disease. Her patients, and by the way, that's me included, love her compassionate nature, her empathy, how well she listens, and her attention to detail. She does an absolute fantastic job explaining very complicated health-related subjects. And that's why I wanted her to come on again to the Healthy Harmony podcast. You may have heard her last year as we unpacked the subject, what is functional medicine? And we discussed the shortcomings of our healthcare system. 
So if you miss that podcast, I will link that here in the show notes and you can go back and listen to that. Dr. V, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Okay, so this is such a hot topic. I can literally feel women leaning in. Um, Is there such a thing as hormone balance? Can we really take control of our hormones? Yes, absolutely. And I think it doesn't come as a surprise to most women to know that when our hormones are not in balance, we do not feel very well. And it can impact multiple areas of our lives and and play out in tons of different systems for us and, and different areas of our lives. So how can a woman tell if her hormones are out of whack, if she's completely unbalanced? What would be some, some signals that she's um, unbalanced? Some of the most common symptoms that women come to me seeking help for that are, are commonly linked to hormone imbalances or hormone disturbances are um, low energy or fatigue, decreased concentration, uh, sometimes it's a degree of brain fog or what I call just an overall lack of motivation. So sometimes it's a, a, a feeling low or down, but not like a full depression, but just kind of finding it difficult to want to get out of bed or want to do things that were once enjoyable. And a lot of times that is just linked to hormonal imbalances. Sometimes it's more of the stereotypical, what you think of like crazy hormones and and mood swings and um, feeling irrational or emotional or feeling like it's difficult for you to control your emotions or high level of anxieties. Um, Sometimes it's poor quality sleep um, or waking frequently in the night. Um, Sometimes it's just low libido. Um, Kind of so many things that you mentioned. Um, And I know that so many of us can relate to this. This sounds very familiar. So how do we know when this is just kind of part of our norm? It's it's what we've gotten used to. And when something is wrong, because a lot of these symptoms can overlap with other diagnoses. So how do we know if it's hormone imbalance versus um, another uh, diagnosis? How can we tell that? That's a great question. And sometimes it is easy to tell and sometimes it's not. And and sometimes it's multifactorial. And like you mentioned, it is sometimes these symptoms are exactly the same as or, or very similar, right? Low testosterone symptoms like low energy, um, weight gain or increased belly fat, um, kind of feeling down or low or lack of motivation, all that sounds very similar to an underactive thyroid as well. And and we consider um, hypothyroid or any type of thyroid imbalance as part of overall hormone balancing as well. So very interesting how those go together, because I think it's sometimes it's hard for us to see the link between thyroid function and and hormones. So how do those two work together in conjunction with each other? 
Yeah, when when I describe this to my patients, oftentimes I'll say, think of a mobile where you have all the little pieces hanging down and imagine that you whack one. <laughs> that one's really going to wiggle, but but they all will wiggle. And so, you know, you may be directly kind of working on, say, the sex hormones, but your thyroid is going to wiggle a little bit. <laughs> and so we want to kind of see how the impact of manipulating sex hormones impacts the thyroid and vice versa. Maybe the thyroid is your target problem and we want to see how optimizing thyroid function improves the sex hormones. And, and oftentimes it can be um, difficult for a patient to know on their own. Sometimes patients do feel like they know my hormones must be out of whack. And, and, and for women in particular, is it that their symptoms are completely cyclical or tied to their regular monthly menstrual cycles, or that they feel like they've never had regular monthly menstrual cycles and don't know why they haven't, or maybe they have been, um, felt great for most of their life, um, had several, several pregnancies. And then the last one, they feel like they never recovered hormonally from, um, we hear those kind of stories a lot, or sometimes it's one pregnancy and they feel like, man, I, I just have never felt the same. And I don't, I struggle with, you know, all different things are, are functioning day to day and, and, and kind of checked off all the, uh, typical postpartum concerns, um, with their, um, OB provider, but feel like they never kind of recovered or, um, sometimes people have PCOS that runs in the family or different estrogen dominant symptoms. Maybe they have horrible menstrual cycles that are just heavy flows, uh, intense pain, cannot, you know, some women experience such profound symptoms that they literally can't continue their daily functioning for several days and they are Goodness. work or out of school. And, um, you know, th these can be signs that, that, that the hormones are, are not in balance. So do you think that um, there is a degree to which we accept it as, okay, this is just, it is what it is. Uh, we can ex accept some degree of brain fog, some degree of low energy, some degree of, of bloating, a lot of these things that we experience as mm -hmm. women mm -hmm. with our hormones, and especially in relation to our cycles, mm -hmm. can we accept this as normal? And what do we accept as normal? And then what do we accept as, wait a minute, I need to look into this further? Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of times we see um, women that feel like they're at the ends of their rope, so to speak. So, and, and several times they've seen other providers and feel like they've tried other options, but don't feel like they've made progress in terms of feeling different or better. And somewhat of the nature, the stereotypical nature of women is to just kind of plug along and, or they've, been kind we of, do. We just keep going. I think we kind of accept some things as normal or just kind of our plot in life. And we just keep going because we don't have a choice. So we kind of get stuck in that uh, survival mode and, and operating as if this is to be expected. Absolutely. And, and the nature of um, 
hormone balancing and hormone replacement therapy options being, I, I call it a passionate topic. So it's one of those things that regardless of your role in it, some people have a very guttural reaction to that, that even just saying that statement, hormone replacement therapy. And it, it's, it's been in in the medical community and outside of the medical community, something that has, uh, I would say, changed, you know, in our lifetime. And, and hotly debated, right? Very, very hotly, hotly debated. debated. Exactly. And I, I really want us to address hormone replacement therapy, but I want us to take one step back as we kind of build the case for hormones and is it possible to achieve some hormone balance? You mentioned uh, testosterone earlier, mm -hmm. and I know that uh, for most of us listening, we're like, wait a minute, I thought testosterone was a, a quote unquote male hormone. So can you give us just a brief explanation of what, uh, what are some of these hormones that you're talking about and what role do they play? Absolutely. That's a great question. So it is often overlooked and especially in women and testosterone uh, in particular is one that women don't often think about and address, but can um, often be linked to symptoms. So as women, we start losing or, or making less testosterone from our ovaries starting in our 20s. So by the time we get to perimenopausal age or, you know, the few years before, during, and after menopause, we're profoundly deficient in testosterone. Not to mention that factors like chronic stress um, and, and certainly uh, pregnancies and other direct impacts on, on hormonal shifts and changes are, are oftentimes linked to uh, profound testosterone deficiencies in females as well. So this is something that you're seeing a great deal of in women. I didn't realize that it goes back to the 20s and your testosterone starts decreasing and then it, it really just continues and there's so many other things that impact testosterone. So is this something that you see a lot of in the women that you see? Yes, yes, without a doubt. And that is um, that is oftentimes, sometimes we call testosterone the feel-good hormone, uh, hmm. more because that is linked to um, like the symptoms that include energy level or um, libido and sexual performance issues, like even being able to climax and, um, and, and things that are important to good quality of life with a partner. And I think that's interesting that you, I'm so glad you brought up um, the hot topic of sex because we really can't talk about hormones without talking about sex. And um, I think we have in the past looked at testosterone as only being related to sex because we associate it with men and the men having testosterone and it's just related to sex. But I heard you say that it plays such a key role with energy levels. Yeah, um, or women that feel like they can't build muscle. So you, I, you hear women come in and say, man, I have been working out like crazy and yet... I cannot lose weight and I can't get toned. And oftentimes that's from a profound testosterone deficiency. Because remember, you need testosterone to build muscle. 
Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, what about estrogen? Because um, I think that is the one that's probably the most recognizable as a female hormone. Um, what about estrogen and what about estrogen dominance? Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Yes, absolutely. So when I was kind of mentioning signs or symptoms of hormonal imbalance, like um horrible menstrual cycles or heavy bleeding and um, endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome, oftentimes those are uh, the way that estrogen dominance is playing out in in someone's body. And, And this is multifactorial as well. So Sometimes it's genetic and from, from like most things from a functional medicine perspective, it's, it's not um, one sole uh, antecedent, but maybe several factors that are contributing, but dietary hormones and dairy and plastic containers and soy and different, all these different things can, can act as what's called endocrine disruptors. So even just cultural um, nutrition and dietary habits and the way that we, what we cook with and what we store our food in is impacting our hormones from early ages and on. Very fascinating. And you brought up a lot in in that answer from a a nutrition standpoint, um, not just um, what's in our food, but also and what we're taking in, but also what we're preparing it in. And and you brought up the plastic and the soy and the dairy. So um, so let's dig into that a little bit more from a nutrition aspect. What are those foods that have the biggest impact on our hormones? I would say dairy is one of the biggest ones. And and part of the reason why I I would go to that first is because the general thought process of how um, from from very early ages and and infancy, really, um, you start right with milk, 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 you need to have milk, 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 and, and and cow's milk and these kind of things oftentimes can have hormones and endocrine mimickers and um, can can certainly play a role in inflammatory processes and overall gut health from a very young age. And how um, these exposures from infancy and on can play a role in what happens hormonally as whether that means maybe we're seeing um, uh, puberty at earlier ages, whether it's through uh, breast development or breast tissue development or early menarche where um, girls are experiencing getting their periods heavier and um, earlier in age. Sometimes this is directly correlated to that. Sometimes it's not cleanly sourced um, meats or yes. that have been treated with antibiotics and hormones prior to um, being, you know, prior to our consumption. It brings up such an interesting topic. We do have so many young girls starting their cycles so early on in life. Um, And I think we've seen just a dramatic rise in that. And 
um, and development happening so much younger um, in life. Do you feel like this is directly related to um, uh, what we're taking in? Do you feel like this is related to dairy? Because we've gotten that message for a long time now. Drink your milk, drink your milk. You need it for strong bones. You need it for the calcium. So do you feel like that that push has har- has harmed our health? I do. In addition, to, I wouldn't say it's the sole reason and, and not necessarily the only culprit and the, the culprit for everybody, but you know, a lot of baby bottles are plastic, a lot of everything that we use kind of to, that has improved maybe convenience and seems like the right thing to do um, or or we feel like has kind of helped one part of our lives may not be helping another part of our lives. So I think it's complicated, but I, 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 I I could not say that there's that that's not having an impact. I would wholeheartedly believe that that's that's a big part of it. Certainly plays a role. You used a term, and I want us to uh, kind of define this term and, and give some thought to it. That uh, you use the term endocrine disruptor. Um, so I know that that's a term that you and I use, uh, but I want to make sure that folks know what that term means and why is that important when we use that word endocrine disruptor. Yeah, so what I mean by that is there are maybe chemicals in food or food items themselves that can mimic what a hormone looks like in the body. What So what an endogenous, when I say endogenous, means um, a hormone that your body should be making or does make. And, and sometimes these... Um, exogenous or out of body things that so something that we don't make in our body but we take or consume or put in our body in one way or another um, can affect how how our endocrine system works so so for example like soy can mimic or act at several of the same receptors that estrogen does and um so on a very kind of simple level, I would think about it like something that's acting like a hormone in the body. Okay. So do you think that, that soy is another one of those things that we need to be very cautious about? Yes. And I think that that is one, again, that there's been kind of controversial data um, it's been somewhat hard to dissect through. It depends on um, different people too. Some of the some of these things are even dairy to some extent. There, there's that is one that we typically can say is pro-inflammatory for most people. But you know what? Sometimes, depending on your own individual biochemistry and and background, you may respond different than somebody else. Um, so sometimes, you know, we can't just blanket say these things are bad for everybody, but um, but we need to look at and understand better how this is impacting you. Okay. Uh, and sometimes the best way to do that is simply cutting it out, seeing how you feel, and for a period of time, like usually for a decent washout, anywhere from two weeks to four weeks. 
and then being real careful if you want to try to reintroduce it to see if you develop any bothersome symptoms after you do. That sounds like a very effective strategy. And I think uh, you you spoke to something that is so very important for us to remember. Um, and that is that this really does take a, um, a truly customized approach. And everyone is very, very unique and different, especially when we're talking about hormones. Um, and that if they're going to try something and see if something is disruptive in their body or if it's inflammatory in their body, to eliminate that for two to four weeks and then possibly slowly reintroduce that and see how you feel. So I love how you um, how you kind of summed up that strategy. I think it's a very a very solid strategy. I hope that you enjoyed today's hot topic with Dr. Carol Villanueva. Don't worry, we are not done. We will pick up exactly where we left off next week as we continue the conversation about hormone balance and delve even deeper as we talk about hormone replacement therapy. Until then, do me a favor. If you're loving the Healthy Harmony podcast and the relevant topics and the sense of empowerment that you get listening to this podcast, click that subscribe button and please leave a rating and a review. It makes a big difference. Now, until next week, be empowered. Make those small changes so you can be healthier and happier. And I'm going to remind you, friend, we're in this together. Bye, y'all.